Hi, how are you? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm a little nervous. I don't know why I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Maybe it's because I haven't gone live in a really long time. I mean, I went live once. We had Tony. Tony Wash was on the show, but uh, I just feel exceedingly nervous right now. I'm just going to jump right into it. I guess it's because this is a very near and dear topic to me, or I'm going to be talking a lot about personal experience, and I don't generally do it. I, you know, I was going to write something, and I, I just said, man, just speak from the heart, dude. Don't write a whole thing. Just talk from your heart and your experience. And that is what I'm going to try and do right now. I'll do the best I can. So some of you who, who are here regularly with me from day to day, week to week, whatever, I've talked about a top secret project. And if you think I'm talking about the misfits thing, it's not the misfits thing. That's not top secret. You all know about that. I'm still, that is, that is still the Mount Everest of it all. Uh, no, what I'm referring to is something that this mic is already going to give me problems. I can tell what I'm referring to is something that I don't talk about very much on here. I've, I've done it a little bit and I've sort of decided that I wasn't going to talk about it. I used to talk about it, but way before I turned into this like YouTube live streaming podcaster guy. Uh, you know, I used to talk a lot, you know, about the film. I mean, I just still do. I mean, it's not like I don't talk about filmmaking stuff, but, you know, it was all about just filmmaking, 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 filmmaking. And all right, I'm trying to think of the best way to do this. So I made my first feature. Some of you know about it. Romeo's distress. I made that film for me. Initially, it was always like, you know, going back to the phrase Mount Everest, it was always like a Mount Everest to even make a feature length film. Like the idea of making a feature length film seems so incredibly um, difficult to execute without a budget, you know, mostly alone, you know. And just doing anything possible to just bring it, you know, help get it to fruition. Right. And, um, and, you know, I eventually did climb what I thought at the time was Mount Everest. Cause here's the thing. Every time I encounter a challenge in my life and I'm trying to scale the mountain that I look at as this challenge, you can't, when you're in the middle of climbing the mountain, you can't envision what the top could look like. And here's what happens. And this is kind of a metaphor for life in general. You get to the top. I see the, the messages, guys. I'm not going to acknowledge them because I'm trying to stay on topic. But I see you guys. I love you guys. We'll, we'll catch up real soon. Um, you climb to the top. You reach the, the summit of your Mount Everest. And you look down at the view and you go, cool, I climbed this mountain and it feels so good. And what happens always is you turn around and right behind you is another mountain, infinitely more high than the previous mountain, 
than anything you could possibly imagine. And you kind of gulp and you go, okay, well, time to climb the next mountain. And that's kind of like what life is. If you turn around and there's not another mountain for you to climb, you're either the most accomplished person in the world and good for you, or you you're dead. (laughs) You know, it's like part of like living life is, you know, being met with a new, you know, challenge or objective and going out there and trying to accomplish it. Tell me if there's too much mic handling noise here. I hope not. Um, and so I did that. I did the first feature film. And then here's the thing. You, you get to a point where you finish, you finish your first film and you're like, oh my God, what a daunting thing. And you think, oh my God, I'm going to do this all over again. Cause you know, if you want to make movies, some people don't, some people don't want to do it again. Some people make a movie and they're like, they're very happy with their movie. And they say, this is my movie. I've made my movie. I'm done. That's it. I'm I'm good. I made one movie or I made a movie and I don't have it in me to do another one. I just don't. There's no way. There's no way I can do it. I'm just going to turn back around and, and walk. You know, I'm done. I'm, I'll go, I'm on, on to the next thing, that kind of thing. And for a lot of us, for some of me, I, yeah, I'm talking about us. I'm going to talk about myself. For me personally, I always envisioned myself as a multi-film filmmaker. I one, I want to have a body of work. That's what I want to do. I want to create. I say that all the time on the Patreon, right? That's what my goal is. I want to just set out and create stuff. I found the cheapest, fastest, easiest way to do that with this podcast. I'm going to get to that in a minute. The podcast thing, I love that because it's so instantaneous. I just, I talk and I it goes out, it's broadcasting and People, if they want to tune in, they tune in. And if they don't, they don't. And it's great. It's a great way to instantaneously get your ideas out. It's like live conscious tweeting every second of the hour. You know what I mean? Like you compose a tweet and you send the tweet out and that's done. And that took what, like, you know, 10 seconds. But when you're doing this, you're just constantly talking. You just never stop. (laughs) You never stop talking. Um making a movie is an entirely different beast. It's an entirely different animal. And I'm going to play you a clip and Rue shout out to Rue. Rue was there in the audience. When I did this live, this was over a year ago, Rue. And actually, yeah, it was a little bit more than a year ago. It was March. It was March of 2021, I believe. And um, I'm going to play this clip. And the reason why I want to play this clip is I, want to show you where I was then versus where I am now and what it like the just it's incredible to like look back so like in a moment when you're doubting yourself over something like the future you might be looking back or thinking back and going dude I know that's your headspace right now but it's not always going to be this way all right so back to my my little spiel my little story here so i was like okay i'm ready to do the next one this is a very simplified version of a way more complicated story with way more projects that have bit the dust or that i had to walk away from and here's the thing just because a should i go yeah just because a project fails does not mean that i failed or just because a project 
is not going to work out doesn't mean that I have given up if I choose to walk away. Sometimes, and I said, you know, I've said this several times and I'm saying it again here. Sometimes you hit a wall and you, there's no way around it and you can't waste any more time and energy on whatever that thing is at that time. You just have to look at it and go, I can't do anything more here. I need for my own sanity or, you know, uh, for the sake of time, for the sake of energy, for the sake of money. I need to walk away right now. I'm not walking away from what I want to do. What is it that I want to do? I want, as I said, I want to create. I want to make things. I want to be a storyteller. I am a storyteller. I want to be a filmmaker. I am a filmmaker. You know, um, I like who I am when I'm doing this stuff. That's not mine. I didn't come up with that. I heard Kevin Smith say that. See, my whole journey, whatever it is, this little this thing that I'm on, my little my little journey that I've been on is inspired by so many that came before me. And one of the one of the big ones is Kevin Smith, man. Um, that dude's kind of like a spiritual father to me. And shit, what was my fucking phone, man? Um, that dude's kind of like a spiritual father to me in that. I'm not saying that Kevin Smith is a master filmmaker. I don't think he makes, I don't think he makes like, it's not like his, all of his films are masterpieces or everything he does is like super successful, but the, his punk rock attitude towards going out there and making a movie breathed such life into me and such purpose at such a young age. Robert Rodriguez the same way. And any indie, I'm not I'm not unique, man. Any fucking indie filmmaker is going to tell you the same. Oh yeah, we all read Rebel Without a Crew, which is Robert Rodriguez's diary as he's making a $7,000 movie in 1992. It's like a legendary thing that he did, you know. Um he was the original one of the original micro budget filmmakers. So was Kevin Smith. But it's just like the idea is like, see all these guys go out there and just do it. Because here's the thing with art in general and making art in general, there's a lot of gatekeepers, man, in whether it's music, whether it's writing in any medium. And I just that even though I, my experience is not in all of those other mediums, I'm still saying that you're going to see this in a variety of mediums. I think it's universal. And what these gatekeepers do or what the gatekeepers are about is that they're just like, and there are varieties of them. There's some people, there's there's the industry gatekeepers, like the actual people who are the, the gears and cogs that make up the industries, the commercial industries where people make loads of money um, mixing commercial, their commerciality with, I don't know if that's a word, commercial commerciality with their art and make a living and have very high profile lives. And then you got um, you got guys who you got guys who are frustrated. You got people who are frustrated. Maybe they tried to do it too, and they couldn't do it, and so they kind of like they snark on everybody else, or they, you know, um, sort of qualify everybody and decide who's you know bona fide and who's not. And listen, we all snark. I snark. I would be a liar if I didn't tell you. That I didn't snark, but the snarking I do is very private. You, you don't you don't publicly snark. That's just not right. That's just not right. Um, 
we all snark. It's just, it's a, it's human nature, man. It's human nature. You've got to be ab above human to not, you know, engage in that character defect. That's what it is. It's a character defect. But there are gatekeepers that will tell you, you can't do this thing. Whether they're, like I said, in the industry, oh, you're no good. Or, oh, this isn't, there's nothing commercial about what you're doing. Or, oh, you think that's really a film? That's not a film. And what you have to do, and this is like the advice that you hear from guys like Kevin Smith or even Robert Rodriguez or Peter Jackson or Sam Raimi, all these guys, they all got out there. They picked up a camera. They went out and they just fucking made a movie. And what Kevin Smith, his internal monologue, and I love what he says. He says, I love who I am when I'm doing this stuff. This is who I am. This is me. And I honestly looked inside. I've looked inside many times, no matter how stressful it gets, no matter how chaotic it gets, I look inside and I go, yeah, this is me. I love who I am when I'm doing this stuff. You know, the, the tragedy is that whatever I'm doing is not commercial or viable in a way or high profile in a way where it's my full-time job. And that leads to the job thing, you know, because what ends up happening is, you know, if you're not getting paid to do what you do, it could still, you know, your job does not define who you are. The job that brings you money, some for some people it does, and for some people they love what they do that brings them money. But there's a lot of us out there, myself included, when I was part of the traditional nine-to-five workforce, we do things for money that we don't want to do. We do them because we want to live a certain way. We do them because we have family members that depend on us. We do them because they fund the things that fuel us and drive us. Um, it's 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 kind of like a it's a sacrifice that it's a sacrifice that one makes in order to do the thing that they love, you know. Um, but it just it has a way of just uh, sort of burning a hole in your soul like it just kind of destroys you bit by bit strips you away and then what happens is you go off and you do that thing that art thing whatever it is making music going touring you know writing a book shooting a movie writing a script doing a podcast doing stand-up comedy acting you do the thing that fulfills you and that you love and suddenly all is right with the world. And one fuels the other. The money that you make from the job fuels that thing that you do. And that thing that you do motivates you to go out and make more money because of the tragic nature or real reality that you can't make money doing the thing that you love doing. And, you know, frankly, I mean, if it makes you happy and you're not hurting anybody in the process, then that's what you should be doing. That's what you could be doing, you know, that sort of thing. And um, it's just, uh, it's one of those. So I look at myself. I don't, it doesn't matter what I'm doing for money. I look at myself as, as the filmmaker making the movie. I look at myself as a director, you know, whether I'm directing actors or if I have a help, you know, I have a, a like a sort of an assistant. The way I make movies is very small and very, you know, it's just, me and another dude and some actors or an actor. And we go out and we just, we, we do our thing. 
We do, uh, you know, run and gun filmmaking, just really just whatever it takes. Like the attitude is entirely, you know, um, motivated by whatever motivated punk rock. I, I don't want, I'm not going to move to Los Angeles or New York city. I'm right above New York city, but, um, I am going to do this thing right where I am. Everything that I need to do this thing is inside of me. That's like what George, George Romero, the original punk rock filmmaker, one of them. He's just like, I'm not going to be in anywhere else. I'm going to make my own films right here. John waters punk before punk that dude. That dude just was like, I'm going to make movies right here in Baltimore. I'm going to make weird movies. David Lynch, all of these guys, you know, this, I'm not naming these names because I think I'm like one of these guys. I'm naming these names because these are the people that inspire me to try and do what they do. And so I decided, okay, I'm just going to sit in my little town and just do that. I'm going to tell stories. And here's the funny thing too. If that's something that you've always entertained, maybe you've entertained that notion. Like, you know, maybe I, you that you could do it. The answer is yes, you can. You really, truly can. You don't need you don't need anybody to give you permission. You don't need to travel anywhere to do it. You just have to do it. Yes, Jody, this is live. Um, you just have to go out and do it. And so that's what I did. I did it the first time. And like I said, there's like a, there's like, um, there's like a, a moment where like the rubber hits the road where it's like, it's, it's an undertaking. To, as I said, it's an undertaking to make a feature length film. Absolutely. An undertaking, like, like very, very, very hard to make a feature length film, especially if you're doing it by yourself, what you're doing is you are manifesting the things that are inside of your head and trying to bring them out in a coherent way that an audience can understand. And usually it contains pieces of your heart and soul when you do it. That's what it, that's what it is at its core. That's kind of what it is. Right. Um, and you just, you go out there and do it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it again. I turned around I stood on top of like the little Mount Everest that's making a feature like film. And I turned around for those of you who were there at the beginning of this video, when I made that metaphor and I look up and I see the next big mountain, I said, all right, I'm ready to climb it. So I start, I start climbing it. What's going on, Ron. Good to see you, sir. So I, I start climbing that mountain and I climb and I climb and I climb and I climb and um, that, you know, lots of stuff kind of got in the way. I, Part of me, I was scared. I was scared to do it again because the first time I made a movie, it almost, I it almost didn't come together. I almost, you know, I almost didn't do it. And here's the thing, uh, and here's like the scariest part. And I don't know if this extends to other forms of art. I can only, again, I can only speak from my experience. I can only speak from my experience as a filmmaker. What's up, Nick? How you doing? I there was a sense of urgency to complete this feature length film. Uh, this first one called Romeo's Distress. I was it was like popping my cherry. I wanted to join the feature filmmaker club. And if I didn't complete this feature film, I would have died. I would have died. It would have been the end of the world for me. 
I wouldn't have literally died, but inside I would have died. Everything would have crumbled. And I, there were several times when I was making that movie where I had to make these decisions. You can watch it. It's on YouTube. I had to make decisions where do I want to have a movie or do I want to have nothing? And I always picked, I want to have a movie. And it's a bittersweet decision because on one hand, the movie exists, it's here, it's real. But on the other hand, it's flawed. It's not that exact vision you had in your head. You envision something different. And every time you look at it, because here's the thing, with any kind of art, and I can speak on this in terms of films, and I, as, listen, I am a father in real life, but my film, my films are my children too. They're a different kind of child, but they are children to me. No matter how imperfect they are, I still love them. And it's harder to love them when they're really imperfect, but you still love them because they came from you. And that's what happens. You make compromises to get the thing made, but it gnarls the vision. And it's part of the reality. It's part of the reality of not having money and trying to make art, man. It's just not it's part of the, you know, it just happens, man. You just can't, you, you just got, you have to compromise. If you don't compromise, then you're going to, you might wind up with nothing. So here I am. And I'm a little scared now because now I'm ready to do it again. And I've written another script. I wrote a couple scripts and I wrote, finally wrote this script. Uh, it started off as a thing called sex crime. That was the name of it. And then that changed into, I called it Wash Away after a TSOL song that I really love, right? And um, and that went under, I must have, re oh God, I, I must have written, I, and by, by screenwriting standards, this is not a lot of drafts, but for someone like me, it was a lot. I did probably six or seven drafts, eight, eight drafts of this of this script. I got it down to about 82 pages. And I was really happy. It was, I thought it was tight. I thought it would, you know, it was ready to, ready to rock and roll. And then I just sat on it. You know, I like couldn't get my act together. I was trying to cast. I made a, a huge mistake. I did not write roles around people that I already had. I wrote roles for that I needed to cast with people. And here's the big difference. If you are a filmmaker, you might relate to this. If you're a no budget filmmaker, I know you're going to relate to this. If you're a no budget filmmaker, if you're not, if you're making a movie by yourself, you're probably not doing a SAG film. If you're not doing a SAG film that leaves you outside of a talent pool that has a certain, that operates by different standards and you are left looking for um, people that are, you know, you, you need the right caliber of person to be able to do it. Because here's the thing. If you're not shooting your film, there's two ways to shoot a film. You could shoot a film consecutively in like, you know, two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, however, however long. Or you can do the weekend warrior thing that many, you know, first time filmmakers do where you shoot a weekend and then you wait and then you shoot another week. And that's how I did the first film. The first film took 18 months and I would shoot like one day a month. You know, we did 23 days in 18 months. And I thought that was a long time. I had no idea what was coming. Um, for the second film, I was, I, this film wash away. I was going to go, okay, I'm going to do, we're going to do weekends. We're going to block it off for weekends. I was working 40 hours a week at a desk job that I absolutely hated with a passion. So like, 
wanted to jump out of my skin in this job. And yet at the same time, this job was affording me the funds that I needed to make this second film wash away. And so uh, I, here I am, I'm just, you know, trying to, trying to do the thing, trying to make it, trying to make it all work, yada, yada, yada. And I'm just sitting on the script. I've rewritten it. I'm trying to cast it um, going back to the SAG thing. So, you know, the problem is, you know, if you've written a certain type of role and you can't, you know, if you don't have certain casting resources, you end up having great difficulty trying to cast a part as opposed to taking a person that's already an actor, already com committed and already ready to go and saying, hey, I've written this role for you. And you know it's all going to work out because you got the guy or the girl or whoever already locked and loaded, ready to go. Um, so that was a big mistake on my part. I had written roles that I could not cast. But much like my first film and much like the... The, the motto of you're never going to be ready, no matter how much you prepare, you got to just take a, take a leap, start shooting. And in the case of the first film, the lead actor, we, we had to get rid of the lead actor right before he was supposed to shoot. So we were like, we have the shooting day. We we're not going to give this up. So we started shooting scenes that didn't involve the lead actor. while we recast. Cause we were like, I can't wait. We couldn't wait anymore. It's like, it's time to start working. Winter was coming. We had lots of outdoor scenes. It was going to get very cold. You just gotta, you gotta go with it. And it was the same philosophy with the second film. And that was my big mistake. I was like, let's start shooting. Even though I'm having great difficulty casting one of these roles, because I just want to, I, I, well, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. I have faith. You know, uh, and sometimes that works out and sometimes it does not. So we decide on, I finally put some actors into place. I don't have the, 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 the antagonist. I don't have him cast yet, but I'm still going to, I'm just going to go for it, man. I've decided I'm going to just do it. I'm going to rip, rip it off. This is uh 2019, uh, uh, the fall of 2019. I'm getting ready to do the movie prepping all this stuff, pre-production commences. And when I make a movie, when I've made movies, I've now made two movies as I'm going to announce or talk about. Um, when I, when I make movies, I'm involved. I do everything, man. It's, it's everything. It's, you know, everything you, every job you can imagine. I have my, my hand in all of it because the philosophy is even if you have the most committed people in the world, Nobody is ever going to give a shit as much as you do. If you are the, like the, the, the if you're the tip of the friggin' arrowhead, man, no one's going to care as much as you do. And you have to be on top of every little thing. And that's a double-edged sword. I learned a very valuable lesson about that. It's a double-edged sword, because if you're doing too much and you overload yourself and you're wearing too many hats, you're also going to, explode it's like this weird thing if i don't wear all the hats then nothing's ever going to get done and if i wear too many hats it's going to all fall apart it's going to all look like crap you know that sort of thing there's a saying a good fast and cheap and you can only have two out of the three if you don't have money if you have money you can have something that's good fast and cheap um well sort of if you have something that's good and fast, it's probably not going to be cheap. It's going to cost you money. If you have something that's fast and good, it's, yeah, if you have something that's fast and good, good and cheap, 
you can only have two out of the three. If you have something that's fast and cheap, it's not going to be good. If you have something that's cheap and good, it's not going to be fast. You know what I'm saying? Like you have, you can never have all three if you don't have money. Every once in a while on set, there's something, there's some little thing that there's some sort of like, sometimes you have like this improv, this improvisational, you know, energy magic that occurs. And that, that is always good, fast and cheap. And it just, sometimes it just happens. It's beautiful when it does, when synergy occurs. So, uh, it's the fall 2019. We're getting ready to, yes, Chris, I like that. Even though I'm, I'm not looking at comments yet, I'm going to highlight this one because I really like what Chris said. He says, sometimes the tip of the arrow breaks off first. You're absolutely right, man. That's what could happen. So, so as, so, so here's what happens. Um, we, we, we're gearing up, we're getting ready to shoot. We decide that our first shooting weekend, because we're going to do it in weekends. We decide the first shooting weekend is going to be March 7th and March 8th of 2020. <laughs> I'm sure you understand the significance of that. Um, just in the way we live in like a pre 9-11 world and a post 9-11 world, we live in a pre-20, there's pre-2020 world, and then there's post-2020 world. And little did we know that we were starting production right before the entire world was going to stop moving completely. And uh, that's exactly what happened. We shot the weekend. It was, I was terrified. And for me, it was, it was super important because I had taken on some additional tasks. Um from the first movie, like I was doing even more stuff. And uh, this guy, Matt, he came in, he came into the picture and he started, he just wanted to be there, man. He was like, just one of those guys who is just like young and hungry. What's up, Archduke? How are you? Good to see you. He's one of those guys that's just young, hungry and wants to, you know, do stuff, man. And it's just people like that are worth their weight in gold. And I've talked about this in the past. You could have someone who's like super duper good at what they do or super duper experienced at what they do, but they might have zero passion and they might have the worst attitude as opposed to someone who maybe more might be a little greener or might be a little less, you know, experienced at the time at the time, but is just so passionate and eager and just gives you a hundred and fifty percent, you know, and those guys. They're worth their weight in gold. Always, 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 always. So with Matt at my side, we did 20% of the movie in two days. We were, I, I was, couldn't believe what a burst of energy out of the gate. We shot all of these interior scenes for this film wash away with our four actors. It was great. Matt had actually been the first person to, to shoot. He shot with my grandmother, who's in Romeo's Distress. She plays the grandma. And at the time, she was 90, 90 years old in her second film. And he had done his, his cameo with her. They were supposed to be the, the nine o'clock 
WIPX movie within the movie. So the movie that my characters are watching features Matt, who's helping me. He's like my AD sort of kind of guy and my grandmother doing her cameo. Right. And so uh, we shoot and the, the weekend is just, it was a success, man. It was an overwhelming success for everything that we set out to do. I was, I had planned and prepped and I was ready and, you know, it was run and gun. We got all of our setups done. I think we even finished earlier than we intended. It was, it was a glorious weekend and it was just such a breath of wind into, in my confidence in what I was trying to do. I now had a new for, newly formed LLC from us LLC. Everything I do is under that LLC. So even like this channel, all that stuff goes through the LLC. And it was set up specifically for this film because when you're spending money on movies, you know, if you are funding movies, you know, out of your pocket, you need to be able to do it through an LLC. So, you know, I mean, it's just smart business, right? You know, um, and, you know, I thought about going the crowdfunding route. I did not want to do that. I had a, a nightmare experience previously uh, on someone else's crowdfunding campaign and pretty much have sworn it off since. I think if you're making a movie, like the movies that I make, I've made for a couple of grand. That's how much each film has cost. If you're making a movie for that little amount of money, you should be paying for it out of your pocket. You should own your movies. Don't, you know, don't go. I, I just, I don't see any reason. If you have a job, if you have the ability to save up, just do it, man. Spend a year pre prepping and saving and then spend the next year executing and editing, right? That sort of thing. Um, so... It just, it went, the, the the weekend went very smooth. The shoot went smooth. We shot 20% of the film. It was in the can. I was so stoked. Uh, that, that next weekend, I was supposed to fly down to Florida to shoot a commercial for a band called Wolfface. For, uh, a, a, I think they've gotten really popular now, Liquid Death Mountain Water. I was supposed to shoot a commercial for them. They were sponsored by Liquid Death Mountain Water. And um, it was cool, man. I mean, they were flying me down. It was a it was a cushy gig. It was cool. And that was March 12th. I was supposed to fly down and the world shut down. The world shut down. I had to cancel. The gig got canceled. I did not fly down to Florida. And we just sat and waited like you all know what happened. We all just sat and waited. We waited for stuff to happen. You know, uh, everything froze up. And then while that happened about. Eight days, nine days after that, I don't know, something like that, I did my first live broadcast. I started doing this, this that I'm still doing right now, you know, talking to the internet with you guys, right? I I just, I started doing this. And, um, and then the world shut down even more and things went the way that they did, as we all know. And... Um, <clears throat> And slowly but surely, the optimism that I felt about, about gearing back up, because we thought it was going to be two weeks. Remember that? Remember when we thought it was going to be two weeks? That's what we thought. We thought that we just had to you know, stay inside for two weeks and that everything was going to 
was going to blow over and we could go, wow, remember that? That was nuts. And it just got crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier. And, um, you know, hey, what's up, John? How you doing? Uh, John is in the comments. John is a watcher. <laughs> Speaking. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Uh, good to see you, John. Um, so, so we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to, to gear back up. I'm going to make this movie. Remember micro budget film, low level micro budget film, a bunch of things happened. One, we never cast that role. We didn't cast the guy, dude. We didn't cast the guy. Um, so that went out the window, right? That that's one thing. Uh, I called up my lead at the time and I said, Hey man, uh, what's the, what's your deal? Cause here's the thing at this time, uh, film sets are the first sort of businesses that were trying to figure out, you know, the workarounds for the new world, the new situation pods and, you know, uh, 14 day checks and, you know, isolation and stuff and staying in bubbles, bubbles. That's what it was. Not pods, bubbles. You were in bubbles and they were trying to figure things out so they could keep the movie business afloat and going and whatnot. And that required, you know, budgets are starting to inflate, you know, major, major budgets where you have, where you're being safe, where you're doing the right thing and like making sure everything's good. Your budget is increasing by 20 to 30%. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. Uh, so what do all the little films get? What do all the little, and I'm not even a little guy. I'm a microscopic guy. I'm like, I'm like the flea that's on the, the rat that's on, <laughs> that's in the claws of the eagle, the, the eagle, which has its claws in the rat and on the rat is a flea. And on that flea is me. That's how small we are. Right? Like, what are we supposed to do? How are we? I don't know anything about PPP. Or whatever. I don't know anything about, you know, how to like take temperatures and stuff, yada, yada, yada. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I called my my lead. I'm like, hey, how do you feel about filming? If we, you know, we'll take precautions, but like, what, where are you right now in all this? I mean, I want to be cautious. I'm just, I'm thinking about the film. And he told me in no uncertain words. And I don't, I listen, I understand. I totally understand. I, I really do. I don't, uh, there's no sour grapes about what he said to me. He said, I'm not doing anything until there's a vaccine. I get it. I get it. People, I mean, people were dropping like flies, man. And it was a scary time. And at that time, when he told me that there was no vaccine to be, the idea that there could be a vaccine seemed so complete, so far away, so impossible, right? So, okay, well, that's where, that's where he is. And then my lead actress, she got pregnant. COVID. Oh, I said the word. I was trying to avoid it. She got pregnant and I am so happy. I was, I was, I was legitimately ecstatically happy for her. And what I'm telling you, I actually just recently told her as well. I mean, I was like happy, but at the same time in my back of my arm, I'm going, Oh my God, if she's like, what's going to happen? Like, how are we going to do this movie? If she's like pregnant, like that's not going to work. You know, especially when we shot all these scenes with her, like, well, I guess that's kind of like, what am I going to do? And then the third thing was I didn't have the antagonist, this big role hadn't cast. And the last thing was the world had stopped moving. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I got laid off from my job. COVID laid off in June of 2020. 
all of these things made me just just let slowly here was the weird thing like remember how i said if i didn't complete that first film i would have died like literally died like i would have it just would have been the end of everything for me whatever i can't explain why like it just seemed like the ultimate failure to not complete my film this mic is really annoying the crap out of me it's like come on you stupid mic hopefully that helps a little bit um it would have it would have been like the end of everything if this was that first movie but now i had completed a film i know what it takes to make a film and for some reason i can't tell you why but i just didn't care as much at that time in that moment i for some reason i just wasn't i it, it, you know what it was it was all of these factors the job the uh the pregnancy um, the, the fact that there's no vaccine, the fact that I don't have money for, you know, to be COVID compliant, like all of these things made me just sort of like, I just sort of accepted that this was all beyond my control. It didn't. And I, I listen, the casting of that role, that's not, that has nothing to do with anything. That was a big blunder on my part and also sort of weakened the engine. But that wasn't an impossibility. To, it wasn't impossible to keep working. We still could have kept working, and I still could have kept looking for that guy that had. So when I look back on that, I kind of don't really count include that. So all these things are happening outside of my control, and I just have to, like, I, I just go, okay, like, I mean, what can I do? I'm doing this. I'm getting attention a little bit. Like people are starting to respond. I'm like starting to make all these internet friends and I'm, you know, starting to get a little bit more subscribers and, you know, um, people are buying me coffee, which is really cool. Cause I was unemployed. Um, as you can see right here, it's still available. If anybody wants to buy a coffee, sorry, shameless plug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I just was like, okay, I mean, at some point I'll figure things out, but like, I guess this is just not in the cards right now. What had happened was I had hit a wall, the wall, there was no way around the wall. I had to accept th what things were. And I, I sadly let go of the dream of making this movie. I just did. I did it. And maybe it was because like, maybe there was, it was just, there's so much happening in the world. Like it was just like, at the time it wasn't that important. And I was just able to sort of detach and it wasn't, here's what's interesting. Again, just because you hit a wall and you stop does not mean that you've given up. It means that you can't move forward. And that requires what I call sitting down. I call it, you know, you sit on a bench and you take a rest. And I've done that in the past too, where I just re reached an impasse. And I, the only thing I could do was just, you know, rest from the burnout of trying to like move forward when, when forward wasn't, wasn't moving for me, you know? Um, and the movie died. It officially died. When I, when I heard, when I got the combination of all that news from the, from the crew and when as i said when the um when i lost my job i decided to just let the movie die and i didn't talk about it 
I just sort of swallowed it and I internalized it. And I was, I did possibly the healthiest thing that I could have done at the time. I didn't dwell on it. I focused on the things that I could do. And the thing that I could do was be on YouTube. And so I poured myself into YouTube. As you all know, as you all saw over these last two and a half years now, I just poured myself into YouTube and it was a great distraction. It's been a great distraction. I love it. And it's not a distraction. It's like, it's such a part of me now. I love this. I love doing this. I love being this guy. It's another aspect of do of being a whatever a storyteller or a a talker or whatever the hell this is. I just I love it. I I really do love it. And I'm going to stop it right there because we're going to take a very quick sponsor break from riotstickers.com. That's right. Riotstickers.com is our proud sponsor. I've been doing I I never thought when I started doing this back in March of 2020 I never thought that I would have an actual sponsor who supports the channel. It's amazing. Uh, Riot sticker, Sharpie Riot, Josh, uh, shout out to Josh. Um, he printed out this banner behind me. Um, we have, he did t-shirts, some, some t-shirts he did. Look at these beautiful stickers he did. He does excellent work. Go check out riotstickers.com. We're going to play the little theme song here and take a quick 60 second interlude riotstickers.com right now we make stickers banners and buttons too posters and promo cards there's nothing we can't print for you from stage backdrops to bass drum heads we can print on shirts we can print on hats we can print on pants And we're back. That was a message from our sponsor, riotstickers.com. Get all of your sticker printing needs from riotstickers.com. So the movie, Wash Away, it didn't die with a bang. It died with a whimper. Softly, quietly died, crawled off to some darkened corner of the closet, uh, buried under some clothing taking its last breaths never to be seen again and that was it and it just the only thing that lingered was the the pain there was pain it was it started off as a it started off as a like a small thank you <laughs> thank you nathan it's Nathan. I'm going to shout, shout, shout out to Nathan here. Um, a, a, a It started off as a dull ache, I think is the best way to put it. It was a dull ache inside of my, my heart. And I couldn't quite put a finger on it, but I knew that I wasn't feeling good about everything that had happened. 
And no matter how much I tried to move on, it just kept eating at me. And I had the footage and the footage looked beautiful. I loved the way the footage came out. And I just kept thinking in my head, I got to do something. I'll make a short. But that wasn't enough. That wasn't right. No, it wasn't a short. It was a film. And the film was called Wash Away. And it was supposed to be my second film. And it's dead. One of my children has died. And when I say that, look, I, you know, that's not the, that's not a very nice thing to say because people shouldn't say, I know it's not like losing a, a biological child. It's a different type of death, you know, to, so to use child as a euphemism in, in this context, maybe isn't the right wise sort of thing to do, but that's kind of, I can't say that's how it feels. Who no, can't even imagine how that feels. Uh, it doesn't feel good. How about that? It doesn't feel good. And it didn't feel good when that movie died. And it just sat with me. It sat with me. And it sat with me. And I thought in my head, well, <clears throat> until I make another movie, it's it, it's still, it's always going to hurt. It's always going to hurt. But until I make another movie, I don't think I'm going to get the closure. And then the one year anniversary approached. And... I came on here and I did a show and <clears throat> I decided to I decided to talk about it and this was me a year and some change ago. Yes, I agree. It does suck when a project doesn't pan out. Here I am a year ago. So I took this clip from a previous show. The exact this was a year from when we had shot that footage and this is how I was feeling at that time. And now we've passed the year. It's about, it's been now it's been a year and four months. So it's been a year and a third since this video happened, but there's uh, something very important happened. And it was something that I had to do in order to make myself feel better. I had to make a promise to myself and I'm going to, I'm going to share that with you right now. Here's here it is right here. Hold on. Um, I'm not, I'm not on my own computer because my computer died actually last night and I am on a completely different machine that I don't use to do th this video because when you got to do a video, you got to do a video. All right, ready? I'm going to play this clip. Okay. This is me talking about the death of my film and you can see underneath, like I'm trying to get in the mood for this show and I can't do it man i can't like i just i have to talk about it before i can move on and do the show that i'm about to do i ended up doing a two and a half hour show all right ready here it is welcome to the show this evening yeah last uh last week was a lot of fun um I'm a little somber tonight because the reason why i'm low energy is i guess today is the anniversary of not failure, but deep, profound setback. What's going on, Rumork? How are you? And it's leaving me feeling a little melancholy. I'm a little melancholy. I'll, I'm going to explain it to you guys. That's what I'll do. I'll explain it. So before I started talking, <laughs> before I started talking on the internet, we have our one-year anniversary in 12 days, you guys. I don't know what we're going to do for the one year. We got to celebrate. Um, but, uh, before I started talking on the internet every week, I was, I am, I am a filmmaker. That is 
who I am inside. That is my 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 purpose, my life, my life's dream, goal, whatever. What's going on, Mr. Message? How are you? Um yeah, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. And uh, you know, uh last year on this day, I completed work on what was supposed to be my second feature length film uh, called Wash Away. It's named after a, a TSOL song, one of my favorites. And um, it was, uh, we shot 20% of the movie, oh, just about 20% of the movie in, God, what was it? Um, a weekend. Uh, it was a lot. I don't know how many script pages it was, but we shot a lot in this house where I live upstairs here. I'll, let's go to the, let's go to the post. I'm going to share, share, show and tell time. I'm going to share. So this was, this was the, uh, this was the day. So here I am on the set. This was to be my second feature length film. And, uh, you know, making a movie is like a war. You know what I mean? Like you go out there. Oh, I love the lighting in that one. You go out there. Um, you try to prep as much as possible. Look at the blood in the sink. Um, you go out there and, and just try to do the best you can. You just you just do the best you can, especially when you don't have money. And I, you know, everything I do is funded out of my pocket. I don't have money. Uh, I work day jobs so that I can try and do this stuff. Uh, and, you know, the thing about making a feature-length film is, like, it's like you're literally trying to will something into some sort of existence um, from your imagination. In the same way that like a musician hears a melody in their head and takes lyrics and writes a song, like this is like a, a multi-dimensional version of that because what you're doing is you're taking music and picture and art and like, you know, like set dress and, and, and actors and trying to align all these things that you're trying to replicate from something that you thought up in your head and bring some version of it to life. That's why you should never, ever, ever crap on a film, no matter how bad the film is. Not even Verotica by Glenn Danzig, because you don't know how hard it is to bring a movie to life. And uh, this was the 20%. These are stills from the 20% that we shot. And as you can see here, I had a boom. That's how I was doing my sound. And there's me manning my rig. And I had, um, I had a, a helper. That was my actress. Um, keep them with the uh, the carrot theme, <laughs> the carrot themes in my movies, and we had some really cool lighting. I was playing with all kind of all kinds of lighting. That, that was my main actor, and it's kind of funny how I literally adopted this haircut and beard a year later. I think it, I don't know if it was intentional or unintentional, um, but you know that the, there's my exposure chart, so I knew what what was exposed and what was not exposed, and um, some 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 props some party favor props and uh yeah it was just a it was a crazy crazy endeavor and we we got all of our pages done we weren't sure we were going to make our day but we did and um and then what happened was covid hit literally the next weekend we're one year away uh sorry uh one week away or a few days away from the big shutdown Right, actually, I guess two or three days away. 
because right after this weekend, COVID hit and we were no longer able to do any of this work. Um, you know, I, I don't even, you know, it, it takes a lot of extra money to be COVID compliant and on a micro budget level, that's just really, really, it's even more difficult, especially if you're being, if you're being ethical about it, we were trying to be ethical. It's actually even, it's kind of painful to even look at these stills right now, but I'm doing it. This is kind of a, a therapy for me as I, as I warm up here before the show begins. Cause I feel like if I, if I don't talk about this now, then I'm not going to be able to have a good time. So I'm just, I'm telling you how I genuinely feel right now in this moment as I, I mourn um, something that, you know, and I still have all that footage. I don't know what's going to come of it. But what happened was, you know, my main actress, she, she was expecting a baby. She got pregnant. And my other actor, he was, you know, feeling very uncomfortable about the COVID stuff. He was in the city quarantining. It was impossible. And then I lost my job. So it was the only source of income. And I literally threw in the towel. I threw in the towel on it. And, um, you know, it's kind of weird to, like, look at this a year later, look at these photos and realize that, like, in a, a year has passed. And not only have I resurrected the, the Misfits project, but now I'm, I'm doing all this live streaming. I never imagined that I would be doing this, like, for as long as I have and just trying to grow my channel and, you know, I made a promise to myself today. And, that, and this is where I really am going to end this. I swear I just lost like 50% of the people that were watching dropped off. I, I understand why. Um, the, uh, the reason why um, I'm, I'm sharing about this, the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm going over this right now is because I'm, I'm making a promise to myself right now the same way that I made a promise to myself 10 years ago when I started working on the Misfits project, I swore that I would complete that project by hook or by crook. And now here I am actively engaging that goal. And I'm telling myself now, or I'm, I'm imagining the future Jeff talking to the past Jeff. I know this sounds a little self-absorbed, narcissist self-absorption self right now, but I know that the future Jeff is telling past Jeff, hang in there, man, you're not gonna give up. You're going to fucking figure this out. You're going to keep going because here's the thing. I like who I am when I'm doing this stuff. I never liked who I was in my day job. I'm dead inside when I'm working a day job. I hate that shit. I hate it. This is who I am. The guy talking to you right now doing the show, that's, this is me. And you want to know something? I like who I am when I do this stuff. So I'm never going to stop. And as I said in the very first episode almost a year ago, what happens is, this is the creation of the mask. What happens is sometimes, I use, <laughs> I use putty to do that. Um, sometimes you, you, uh, it, you, you don't have to give up. See, that was, I'm really proud of this actually. This was, I had done a sketch. This was my sketch. I decided that I needed a device and I drew it and it was supposed to be a nitrous inhaling device because my main character gets ripped on, on nitrous. And then here it is six months later in the flesh. That's the device. And it's a tire pressure gauge thing with a little nitrous canister. And that's the type of stuff I get off on this stuff, man. I was like, I brought it to life. This is what I mean. I thought about it, what it was in my head. And that's all I could imagine. And then when I tried to apply it in the real world, that's what I got. And I, man, I just... 
that is just my jam. Same thing with this, Uncle Moo. This is Uncle Moo whipped cream topping. You could recognize Nicholas Cage here. And this was my design for Uncle Moo right here. You could see how I sketched it out and I wrote Uncle Moo. And then I literally, I, I willed it into existence. I brought it to life. There's Uncle Moo with Nicholas Cage. It's caffeinated whipped cream topping. I love making fake props. And this is Almer's, like Almer from Brain Damage, you know, uh, <laughs> no wrinkle rubber cement because he huffs that stuff in the, in the, in the movie. And I don't know what's going to come of the footage. Like I said, I have 20% of the movie shot. Uh, I'm going to do something. I don't think it's going to be the vision that I had because just too much time has passed and I've lost actors and I just don't think I'm going to, it's never going to be what it's going to be, but it is definitely, don't send that. It's definitely, I'll do something with the footage. And, you know, I like to document the process. That's what the mask was. Look, guys, once again, see, that's what the mask started out as. And then I used this clay to build that mask. That was like the, the, the hero prop. And I printed out, these are business cards for a prostitute named Cherry. Um, and then, <laughs> look, Uncle Moo. Uh, it says, it will take you to the moon. And as you can see here, this is the Twin Peaks design underneath. I thought that was a really cool design element. See, I love doing the stuff. And uh, and what I did was I hollowed out a whipped cr whip cream can. And I just, yeah, because the main character gets high on, on nitrous all the time. And uh, I just thought it was a great sort of thing. And then I was like, well, eventually it his his addiction to the nitrous progresses. So he starts using this gun and he puts the canisters in the gun right here and he wears this breathing mask. And so it's like, you know, it, it, it all works It all. He just breathes in the, the, the nitrous and um, yeah, dude, that was, uh, yeah, that was on, on the set. And I was so, man, I was terrified um, because I had never worked with such a skeleton crew. When at the last time I made a movie, it was me and one other guy. This time it was it was also me and one other guy, but I was really running. I was running everything, and uh, we were just. I was terrified. I, I was so afraid it wasn't going to work out, and it did. Okay, we just went around in circle, and God, this was such a great gag. If you noticed here, there's an actual eyeball. There's like an eyeball prosthetic on the ground. This is supposed to be the finale of the film. He gouges out his eyeball with a spoon. It was a crazy idea. It was a crazy movie. Um, like I said, I hope to do something with that footage eventually. Oh, look at all these comments. I didn't even see these. How you doing, Horace? I'm glad you made it. Rue, that's right. Manifesting the vision. That's what you got to do. Glenn said creep shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Returning tapes, you're 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 spoiling our fun here. Just wait. We'll 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 get to the flip side stuff in a minute. Thank you for listening, Rue. I appreciate that. Um and I'm glad that my stories are, are you're indulging my, my stories. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. I appreciate it. You guys, you guys rule. <laughs> okay. So that was the clip. Yes, Nathan, I, I concur. I concur. Elmer's rubber cement always, always is the better choice over Elmer's, Elmer's glue. And yes, that's right, John, you must never give up. So. So that's where I was a year and three months ago, right? I made this promise. I said, you know what? Uh, I don't know how, but I'm going to do something. I And I said that to make myself feel better, but I had no answer. So again, 
The idea of this video is to give you my experience. I can't speak on other people's experience. In my experience, what happened to me was things were not working out the way that I wanted them to. I had to step back, do something else. And that was the, the YouTube channel and the live streaming. And I had to sit and I had to wait. I had to sit in the uncomfortable feelings of having an unfinished product project. And I had to then make a promise to myself. I had to promise myself that I would somehow do something. And I didn't know what that meant. And I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it I, as the, the Grinch what was that in the Grinch in Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas? He he thought he puzzled and he puzzled and he puzzled some more. He puzzled until his puzzler was sore. My puzzler was so sore as I tried to think about what I could do. And you know what the best part is? I love that I spoiled the ending of Wash Away, which is in fact not the ending <laughs> anymore. Funny enough. Um that's just how things work out sometimes. So after that, after that, that declaration, that declaration on, um, uh, on live, on live YouTube a year and three months ago, I started to think and I started to churn and I was just going, Hmm, I don't know how, I, I don't know what, I don't know what's going to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But the idea I made a promise and the promise was enough to keep me going. Even while I was distracted by other things, I just, and you want to know something. I just want to say that, that, that might not always be the case. You might, there might be a project or a scenario where you never find a solution. It just so happens that wasn't my experience. Here's what happened to me. And this is a little embarrassing to share but I'm going to share it the way it happened. I was in the shower one day getting ready. I was uh, uh, doing, doing this gig, this thing. I'm getting ready to go and I'm showering. And that's when I do some of my best thinking in the shower. I'm thinking. And um, all of a sudden, I suddenly realized that there was a way to take the footage that I already shot and make a movie with it. And when that happened, I screamed naked, wet in the shower. I screamed at the top of my lungs and the scream was a scream of rage. It was a scream of rage. I was screaming because I was angry and not, angry at any one in particular. I was just angry at the situation and I was, I was, it was more, it wasn't anger. Anger is not the right word. It was, it was just fuel. I was just like burning hot with passion in that shower. And I said something like, like nothing's going to stop me. Something like maniacal. And I suddenly realized I knew how to keep going. It happened right there. And then I, I just kept thinking about it. I kept doing the math because sometimes you have an idea, but then you have to do math on the idea. What do I mean when I say that? I mean, it's like you got the idea like, oh, huh, 
Well, wait a minute. Two plus two equals four, and four times three equals twelve, and twelve times two is twenty-four. Huh? You know, like you you you're looking to check to see if it's airtight. Like, will this work? Can this work? And I realized that the only way that I could potentially continue on was to attempt to make a sequel to a movie that never existed. So Wash Away died. It does not exist. Some of it was shot. And I thought, so what if I start the story at the where Wash Away ends and I will tell an entirely new story around the old story or continuing the old story, kind of. And that's when Gouge Away was born. And I didn't talk about it publicly. I just kept thinking about it. I went back to Matt, the guy who was like the assistant director guy who had helped me out on that shoot, who had shot his cameo with my grandmother. Now, what I didn't tell you is my grandmother died. And that was her final role, right? My 92-year-old grandmother. So she did her scene with this guy, Matt. And I started to think about that. And I thought, wait a minute. What if that guy is the star of this film? And then I was like, how can I connect that guy to my main character? And slowly but surely, I started to reverse engineer a sequel story or a companion story that chronologically takes place after that first story and decided that that he was that that was his his teacher his master or whatever and that set me on a brand new course and suddenly i I called up matt and i I pitched him the idea i told him what i wanted to do and of course he was on board because he went from being a cameo assistant director guy to being the star of the movie and over the course of a year it took about a year yeah took about a year we we started a little more than a year ago so we started probably in i think we started in may we started in may of 2021 right about a year and two months ago we just started shooting we started we did three days we we shot three days um we sort of did it they were sort of improv days we wrote i wrote a basic outline with matt matt helped on that and <clears throat> we went out and we just started shooting these scenes. We had this, this skeletal work. And uh, and basically, it has been a touch-and-go process for over a year. I haven't spoken about it. Because here's the thing. I didn't want to... I told myself, I said, you can talk about this. You can talk about this once you've made the movie. Once the movie is in the can. And I am here today to tell you that that second film is complete i finished the movie i finished the movie yesterday wait yesterday yes yesterday it was yesterday and it was the hardest shooting day i have ever experienced in my entire life it was the most challenging crazy day full of 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 just is this going to happen or is this not going to happen and basically what happened yes screaming in the shower does work that's right that's right 
It, you 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 just gotta you just gotta scream in the shower. Whoops, that's not what I meant to share. What in the hell is wrong with this thing? That's right. And thank you, Nate. I'm I, I really appreciate that. It means a lot coming from you. Thank you. So what I did was I said, okay, I'm not gonna talk about this. I'm just going to go out there and shoot the movie. I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. There's nothing to talk about until there's a movie in the can. Just go. Just do it. And part of it was a fear. It was the fear that I spent so much time talking about wash away publicly. And there was a healthy reason to do that. It motivates you to go and do stuff. You say you're going to do something, then you got to go do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And people do it all the time. But for me, there was this tangible fear of like, I could, I could, I could accept that the movie died the first time. I could not accept that the movie died a second time and to do it publicly. I just couldn't handle it. So this entire year I have lived with a healthy fear that my movie may not get complete. I've just, I just tried to keep that. That is. I guess, I don't know if you want to call it, I don't know what you want to call it, but I've just tried to temper my expectations and just recognize that this thing could be taken from me at any moment. And with that attitude combined with, I'm just going to do my best. I'm just going to do my very best. I'm going to go out there. It's not going to be perfect. I'm just going to do the best goddamn job that I can do. Because here's the thing, folks. I made this movie for one person and one person alone. I made this movie for me. I didn't just make it for me. I made it for the, the me in the past. And when I watched that clip that I just played for you just now, the thing about talking to future Jeff and past Jeff, and I repeated back all the things that past Jeff wandered. It, I'm now the future Jeff looking at the past Jeff and telling him it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. You're going to do this. And that's all that mattered. It's all about, it's all, it was always about this in here. That's what it was about. And I didn't complete this movie for anyone else. You know, we lost another cast member, my friend Dave Street. We shot his scene and he died a few months later. And the movie is dedicated to the memory of Dave Street and it's dedicated to my Nana, my 92-year-old Nana. But I didn't make this movie for them. I made this movie for me. And you know what else I made? Who else I made this movie for? I guess I made this movie for my my children. Um, because I kind of think in my head, you know, that what kind of person am I, if I don't set the best example for my children and that I'm never going to give up and that when they feel like giving up, that I can tell them this story and maybe tell anybody else who needs to hear the story. Maybe somebody else is going through the same thing that I'm going, that I went through and is unsure of how to proceed in the future. And I just want to let you know, you can do it. You can do it. Just put one foot in front of the other and do it. Think about it. Here's the thing. When I stopped, here was the funny thing. When I stopped thinking about it so hard, that's when I took that shower 
And that's when the idea hit me and it hit me. It was like lightning. It was the most brilliant stroke of lightning. And suddenly I screamed. I was so, and, and again, that anger, it was like, it was like the anger at, 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 at failing. That's what it was. It was the anger of failing. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to let myself down. I'm going to keep, get my, pick myself back up and keep going. And, um, that's what I did. And so we shot for a whole year and it's been a battle, man. It has not been easy. I've never done, and it's not over, man. It's not over. There's a, there's, this is just, like I said, we're talking about the mountains. You look down. We just, I just reached the summit of another mountain and now I'm looking up and I have a whole other mountain that I'm trying to scale and climb. And you know, what's funny. I mean, it's crazy. I, I just have to tell you what, what happened. Like the, you know, the last like four days were super touch and go because there was so much to do. And there was just like so little time and no resources, zero resources, because, you know, I don't have a stable full-time job right now. And I'm trying to do th- this crazy impossible thing. And it was just, it was just super duper touch and go the last day. Let me tell you about what happened to us yesterday on the last day of shooting. We're supposed to start at nine 30. We drive to the location and we start the day with a flat tire. I park in the space that I'm supposed to park in and the tire is flat, straight up flat. Um, which means that we caught the flat on the way to the location in Queens and then managed to get to our parking space and right at the time when we're supposed to start shooting. And from that moment on, it felt like we were running as the ground behind us was collapsing. Like, you know, you see in every movie, like every step that we take, the ground falls away. And we had to get, so I was, my first thought was like, stay calm. And here's the thing that I've learned in these incredibly stressful situations I have to remain calm and I have to focus on what needs to get done. I can't stress about that stuff or everything is going to stop. And it's like a calm washes over you when you realize that if it's out of your control, you have to let it go and focus on what is in what is in your power, what is in control for you. And that's what you focus on. And it that whole day was like a cascading set of Murphy of the worst kind of Murphy's law you could imagine. Um, we haven't had rain in New York for two weeks. Every day I was complaining that it wasn't rain. I was watering my garden outside during the day. And then we get there and we get, we're in Sunnyside Queens and we get caught in a monsoon, man. And if it wasn't for this, like this, this, this bar owner who was like, Hey, you guys look really hot. Cause it was hot outside before it started raining. It's like, you want to come and shoot in here? Like blah, blah, blah. You could, you know, go as long as no one comes out really nice guy. So we took him up on that. We decided to shoot the scene under the roof because it was just super hot outside. It was like crazy. And there was like music and we were trying to like record sound and like get around, get around this music and stuff. And we get under that roof and the water, it just buckets of rain come down. And we're in the middle of doing a scene and the scene like rain, like buckets of rain start pouring down. And it was actually really cool because it was like a scene of like, like tense dramatic emotions. 
and the rain was kind of like this great metaphor. And if I was able to get coverage on the other side of the conversation, I totally would have kept, I would have kept, I cut the, I ended up cutting the, the, the thing. We didn't get the rain. And then from there, it was just, it was just every friggin' little thing. And it all culminated with getting home, going to back up the footage on the final day of shooting. I go to turn on my computer and it doesn't turn on. My computer uh, is dead. Uh, the MacBook charger is dead. I had to order a brand new one and it's coming tomorrow. There's so much work to be done. So I'm waiting for it to arrive so I can just start cutting. And right now I am on a work PC. I somehow managed to get this software up and running on it. And so that I could do this because I said I was going to broadcast today and I wanted to keep my word that I would broadcast and talk about this experience. And, you know, I'm going to do a, a, there'll be a Facebook post to accompany it, you know, a short, more concise Facebook post. But I just wanted to, you know, talk about this experience and what it was like in, in realizing that like, I must never give up. I must never, ever give up. The only time I fail, the only time I don't have a movie is if I give up. My movie died, but because I never gave up, I still have a movie. Is it the movie I intended to make? No, no. I had to let go of those old notions. Sometimes the art that we're chasing or that we want to make, it just, it doesn't materialize. And we have to... Or it doesn't come out the way that we wanted, we intended, or what we wanted it, how we wanted it to come out. And you just got to, you have to be malleable. You have to figure out how to keep going. And you just have to keep going. And when it gets too hard, as I said, when it gets too hard, focus on what you can do. When things got too hard and I couldn't do it anymore and I was just sort of letting go and accepting of the, of the impossible and the crazy, you know, situation where the world had stopped moving, I found solace in solace solace in doing the podcasting thing and the the live the YouTube video thing. What's up crazy white boy? How you doing? Good to see you, buddy. Um I just started doing this and it brought me peace and love. So to sum it all up, never give up. When you hit a wall, just sit down and take a rest. And if you like who you are when you're doing these things, don't ever stop. Keep going. Keep doing it. This is not my last film. I'm going to make another movie. And I'm going to make another one and another one. And the Misfits documentary, all of it. We're going to do it all, baby. We're going to do it all, baby. We're going to do it all. But when things get hard and you can't push, take a rest. And when you're feeling better, focus on the things that you can do. Focus on things that make you feel good. And when you can, get back up on the horse and keep going. Don't ever stop. I'm never going to stop. You know? And, um... Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, that's really, that's it. That's been my experience. Yesterday, we shot the final day, and I could not believe it was here. And like I said, it was not going to go quietly into the night. It We had to fight for that last day. We fought. We fought with everything that we had to get that fucking day, and we got it. We got it. 
And uh, it was emotional, man. When we rolled that final scene, when I knew when we reached the end of the day and we had that final scene, I just felt such a sense of peace and like happiness. And what's interesting is, and what, you know, we'll talk about maybe in future episodes or something. This was the most unconventional, no budget film ever. And it all started with the notion of making a a sequel or a continuation or a companion to a film that never existed in the first place. That's how it started. It's not an original concept. It's been done uh, countless times, but, and you know, if it's not done exactly quite right, it, you know, it's not going to really work, but I think I really figured out a way to do it the right kind of way. And uh, I'm very excited uh, to show it all to you. And that's the next step. We'll see what happens. I'm just going to keep, Every day, a lot of work to be done. Not going to stop. Not going to stop. New MacBook charger comes tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to just continue cutting. I can tell you that the movie, there is over, there's over 75 minutes of the movie has been cut together. Over 75 minutes of the movie. There's still uh, some stuff to cut, but it is, there's a movie there. There's a movie and it's assembled. And the 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 scariest part was marrying the old footage with the new footage. Would it work? Would I? Would the old footage work with the new footage? And I'm confident and happy to say that it most certainly does. And I think perhaps the craziest thing is that I intended to make a psychotronic, psychological thriller and have somehow wound up with a I can't. I don't want to say what the genre is now because it will spoil a little bit of it. Um, but it's something. It's something. It's a. It's this crazy, like, genre mashup craziness that I never could have intended. Um, and all of the tones I think work really well together. The tone all works. That's also miraculous, and um. Yeah. So to sum it up, we're going to end the video now. But to sum it up, uh, first of all, keep your eyes peeled for Gougeway. I'm going to, the page, there's a Facebook page for Washaway. I'm going to change it now to Gougeway. It's officially time. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That's number one. Number two, I haven't decided if I'm going to be live streaming in the next two weeks because I have a lot of work to do. And I just can't, I don't know. I might do it a couple of times. I'm st- all YouTube. Activity is ceasing for a short period of time while I intensely work on getting this film up to speed. Uh, so that's number two. So you may not, I'm just pop my head up and I'm probably going to pop my head back down again to keep working on that. Number three, uh, when you are feeling tired, take a rest, do something that makes you feel good. Do something that fulfills you. Do something that you, is in your power to do. And the problem is when you're thinking too hard, the answers won't come to you. You have to stop thinking. Stop thinking about the thing. That's right, crazy white boy. Pixies gouge away. And the funniest part is the name of my very first short film is, you know, fucking gouge away. That's funny. Yes, Nathan, that is exactly my point, Nathan. Exactly my point. 
that deadlines do deadlines do come first precisely sir precisely um think outside of the box you have to think outside of the box you know uh if you don't think outside of the box the box is what gets you into trouble in the first place what got me into so much trouble is that i was in the confines of a box and that box was i made i shot 20% of this movie i can't make the movie with the actors anymore i didn't even cast this role what the fuck am i going to do everything's over this fucking sucks i just got to put it up on the shelf yeah i had to start thinking outside of the box how do i think outside of the box and that's how i thought outside of the box make the sequel make the sequel to a film that never existed um and then i, I would say you know uh do your best to just do the, focus on the work don't worry about this is the fun part where you get to tell people what you've been doing Focus on the work. Just do it. Be quiet about it and just do your work. There's a lot of work to be done. If you if you are seeing a challenge that you think is impossible, then there's a lot of work to be done. You got to focus on doing that. But I'm here to tell you that there are maybe there are things that are impossible, but I still kind of believe that anything is possible. If you put your mind to it on some whimsical, magical level, I just, I believe that I believe that, uh, and just for the love of God, do not let anybody tell you that your accomplishment is not an accomplishment. Fuck that noise. If you, the, uh, the only person who can actually tell you that is yourself, man. It's yourself. You're the only one that can cast that doubt in your mind. So if somebody else does it, put it, put up the, uh, the shield. Don't let it in. Don't let it seep into your head. Okay. You have every single right to be, to feel like you've accomplished something. If you think you've accomplished something. Hold on. What was the exact thing I said? I'm going to I'm going to pull it up because I'm not saying it right and I want to say it right. I want to say exactly what it was. Remember this. No one can take away a victory and that's what this was. Getting this movie done the impossible. It was literally the impossible thing. Getting this movie done was a victory. And no one can take a victory away from you except yourself. It's okay to enjoy personal achievements and goals, no matter what they are or what anyone else thinks about them. It's okay to pat yourself on the back when you finish something that you didn't think was possible. Remember that always. That's super duper duper important. And lastly, and most importantly, to sum up this whole thing, it's right there in the title. You only fail if you give up. You must never give up. Giving up, never giving up doesn't mean that you get the thing that you wanted. It might change, it might evolve, but it means that by never giving up, you will still accomplish what you set out to do. I didn't get what I wanted in that movie, but I still accomplished what I set out to do. And that is a victory no matter what anybody says remember that remember that 
All right, guys, I'm just being super duper redundant again. Uh, if you are a Patreon, keep your eyes peeled. The There's a Marky Ramon video that I think if it hasn't dropped yet, it's going to drop very soon. Um, no, yeah, no, the Marky Ramon video is in August. The Guar video with Dave Brocky from Guar, that has dropped on the Patreon. Check it out. Uh, surprise interview that the Patreons know about. That's the next thing that's coming. All that stuff is 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 going to be trickling out, and um, I will I will see you all very soon at some point in the future. Uh, till then, be well, and remember, kids, never, ever, ever give up. How do I do this thing? Shit.